0: This episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by the patrons of The Tube. Some very cool people like Chris Nelson, the Top 3 Podcast Crew, Zolgeek, Colby Moyer, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Jill, Kieran, ZNA, Gilmer, Mikey Tabletop, Cupcake, and many more have all gone to patreon.com slash realdavejackson to support the podcast that we got going on here. I appreciate all of you very much and listeners you can be just like them if you go to patreon.com slash real dave jackson a couple bucks a month gets you some cool treats and my undying love on to the show Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to talk about a game we played. Uh, my guest today is a friend of the show, a spectral vulpine podcaster, and a uh, co-host from Lightning Strikes Thrice podcast on the Pitch Drop Network, Ryan Beatty. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. Yeah, uh, good to have you on the show. And I think... Um, we picked the perfect game uh for you to come on the show <laughs> really excited about this before we start talking about our game which is uh, tunic today um i want to kick it to you and uh talk to um the people listening about what lightning strikes thrice is because uh, it's a podcast
1: that i really appreciate um so yeah what's it all about Sure. So Lightning Strikes Thrice is kind of the the flagship podcast over on the Pitch Drop Network, and it is a deep dive video games club uh, where we go in excruciating detail uh, in um, some of our favorite JRPGs um typically we cover things that are like both mechan- mechanically and thematically robust enough that we can cover it over multiple episodes instead of mm-hmm. uh, doing just one and so um the reason why it's called lightning strikes thrice is that the is that the show started doing all three final fantasy 13 games mm-hmm. uh we also just recently did the Xenosaga trilogy and our current season is on Final Fantasy VIII, and it's been um, a lot of fun to kind of go back in with a fine-tooth comb and really analyze what this what this game from my childhood was doing. Mm-hmm. There are a number of other great podcasts on the network. There's uh, a couple of anime podcasts. Um, there's a premium podcast on our Patreon where we do uh, the Lightning Strikes Thrice treatment with Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And and yeah, it's been it's been um, a lot of fun to to podcast uh, about these games like that.
0: Yeah. And so like for people listening, when you say you break it up into multiple episodes, I mean, like 10, 15 episodes sometimes with some of these games, like it it feels like you spent like the last two years going through Xenosaga, <laughs> basically.
1: Yeah. I, and I'm yeah. sure you
0: felt that way too. So.
1: <laughs> it, yeah. It was definitely two years uh, of our life dedicated to the Xenosaga trilogy. And, um, that was an undertaking. But yeah. what's, what's really amazing is that because, um, all four of us who do the podcast, uh, have detail oriented brains that are each focused on a different kind of detail that our brains, uh, kind of gravitate towards, mm-hmm. um, we end up filling the space there. It turns out there were, you know, 15 episodes worth of things to say about Xenosaga episode one. Uh, right. And that is also really surprising. I guess it's like, wow, there's still material to cover here.
0: Yeah. And it's it's something that I appreciate um, that you all are doing. Um, I remember when I was starting to play Final Fantasy 15, um, I listened to the episodes that you all did uh, kind of about the supplementary material, the stuff (laughs) that I was not going to go watch. Uh, So I appreciated your episodes and then listened uh, at least as far into that game as I got before I um, kicked it to the side of the road. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I appreciate what you all are doing. And I tell this to every podcast uh, guest that I have that does a podcast where it's not one game per episode like i'm doing mm-hmm. good idea what an idea to not have to beat an entire game for every episode great idea
1: <laughs> yeah another reason why this game is kind of perfect for for me and for us is because it's only like 12 hours long right. um i can't imagine the schedule that you do with some of the longer games that your show covers uh it's yeah. it's pretty remarkable it's uh,
0: remarkable is one word for it. There are a lot of other <laughs> words that we could use, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, so I, I will recommend everyone uh, while I'm uh, talking kind of maybe in the middle of the episode when I'm talking about myself, um, go down in the show notes and click the links to uh, lightning strikes thrice and pitch drop and check out what everyone's doing over there. It's got some good stuff going on. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about tunic, which is an action adventure game developed by Andrew Scholdeis and published by Finji in 2022. This is a another one of those almost one-person um, developed games, which is just uh, remarkable. I know there are other people that helped, I'm sure, but this is mainly a solo uh, venture. Mm. And if, uh, if you're listening and you don't know what Tunic is, we have some kind of um, elevator pitch type descriptions uh, for what Tunic is. So I wrote down, uh, what if somebody modernized the original Legend of Zelda? and put their own twist on the story and ryan what did you
1: bring uh i brought in very similar uh what if someone made zelda one feel fresh and dangerous again like it did on the playground in elementary school and drew parallels to more modern indie game design in the process
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so there are already two comparisons to the original legend of zelda here and we're going to get into those uh, a little bit more as we go on um First things first, though, the spoiler policy for this episode, (laughs) and this is kind of a special one because uh, I break up every episode of Tales from the Backlog into non-spoiler and spoiler sections. This is a game that people say to go in totally blind to and like they would say, hey, stop listening to Tales from the Backlog right now. And I kind of like disagree with that notion for most games. This one, though, I kind of agree with Mm. we're not going to spoil we've ryan and i have talked about like where we're going to draw the line in this episode we're not going to spoil things that i think are cool discoveries and of course not you know big reveals and stuff like that but this would not be the most outrageous game to hit pause go play tunic like ryan said it's only 10 12 15 hours long and then come back um, because this is primarily a game about discovery this podcast will always be here for you if you want to stop and play the game that being said, we're going to do our best not to spoil um, any of those discoveries, like we said. So mm. getting into talking about Tunic, starting out every episode by talking about our histories with the game, what made us want to play it, uh, when we first played it, etc., etc. So Ryan, I'll kick to you first. Guest always goes first.
1: Why Tunic? Sure. Well, I really, really enjoy a game that requires some upfront commitment i guess on the part of the player when a mm-hmm. game asks you like hey there's a lot of pleasure here but you're gonna feel a little bit overwhelmed or frustrated or something along those lines uh, in order to get to that pleasure that often appeals to me now it the juice has to be worth the squeeze i i i don't like you know difficulty and obfuscation for the sake of it but um Mm -hmm. the word of mouth around this game was that it was very mysterious people were talking about it like it was a deconstruction of certain kinds of video games and like a lot of you know very loving nods to the um more obscure parts of like old nes style um video game adventures and through all of that word of mouth i i started kind of um getting more and more and more excited about the game and then when the so um dave you and i we know each other through uh, a different a video game chat room a a, a slack and um Funnily enough, the more divisive it got, the more people started getting frustrated with some of the bosses. Uh the more people kind of started to throw up their hands when their progress was blocked, the more I was like, "Oh, I should. This game <laughs> is I should figure this out. I should try this." And uh-huh. uh and and yeah, I think I think that was mostly it. What about you?
0: Yeah. So, um it it was one of those games for me where uh I I saw like the art style, I don't know if it was in, you know, a uh, a, a game awards trailer or a Nintendo indie director where I first saw it. Maybe it was just a YouTube video, but I saw like the art style, the way the, the Fox looks like a little, he's link, but a Fox, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of got my attention. And then kind of like inscription, um, it, it started to get all of these comments where people would be like, you have to play tunic. And I would be like, okay, what's cool about it. And they're like, I can't tell you, you just have <laughs> to play it. So Those things I'm like, I'm, that basically works on me. If you're like, you have to play this, but I can't tell you anything or I'll ruin it for you. Like, I'm like, okay, I'll play that. Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I managed to avoid most spoilers on it. Although I did have to wait. Um, This came out in 2022. It feels like it came out years ago now, Um, (laughs) but I did have to wait until basically like November, early December to play it uh, when I finally got a, a PC and got on game pass. But Hmm. (laughs) Ryan, this, this game was exactly like when I first started talking to you about like asking you to come on the show and talk about a game. And I was like, did you play Tunic?" I feel like this is like exactly the type of game that you would want to play and want to talk about. Uh, Because like (laughs) you, like you said, we have some history, like talking about video games together. This is like, felt like a quintessential Ryan game. So Yeah. Glad to uh, glad to have you on here because um, I think that we're gonna have some uh, good uh, conversation points as we go through um, our experiences here. Uh, so mentioned this before, but want to reiterate, this is not a super long game. My playthrough took me about 12 hours. Um, there was more stuff that I could have done, so I could have played longer, but I, I don't really anticipate this being longer than 15, 20 hours for most people. Was that kind of lined up with your experience?
1: Yeah, so um, kind of when I was when I was scheduling time for it, I I was looking and, and yeah, it's it's around twelve hours. Um, I could see myself, you know, I could see myself going back and wanting to one hundred percent this game. I th- um, there's there's a lot that I think would be pretty tedious and starting to hunt with too fine tooth a comb. Uh, and mm-hmm. so who knows? But yeah, it I. All in all spent around fifteen hours in the game, and um some of that was just kind of idle wandering um yeah, so yeah, it was a uh, it was it's like the sweet spot for a game where it's more than a snack but less than like you know an all you can eat buffet uh yes it's it's nice <laughs> that way it's a balanced meal
0: yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um so yeah this is a, a good little transition into some quick kind of opening thoughts here about how we feel about tunic and mm-hmm. i personally i think that this is number one a really awesome idea for a game we'll get into what that idea is as we go but the kind of recapturing of the memories that people have playing older games with the game manual in hand mm-hmm. you know all those memories that i have of buying a game reading the manual on the way home in the car so that when i got home i could start playing and know how to do it this game is capturing that and i think it's um mostly successful i had a pretty good time with it uh, i think this game's too difficult and that mm-hmm. kind of gave me um some game created issues and then this game relies a lot on you as the player to do a little bit of extra work and pay a little bit extra attention and connect some dots by yourself. And I always say that I want video games to trust me more. And I think this game trusted me a bit too much. Uh, So (laughs) there was some frustration that I had in this game that was my fault for just being a little bit thick at times. Um, Hmm. So this, this ended up being the game that I, I really respect. I had a good amount of fun with it. I really wish I could Eternal Sunshine this game out of my brain and try again for the mm-hmm. first time, if that makes sense. How about you?
1: Yeah, it's a weird, weird thing because this is a rare game that I think maybe adds up to less than the sum of its parts. And, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is that there were so many moments in this game where i was like oh wow that is so cool where you know i unlocked another way that the game worked in my brain or Mm -hmm. um i got this new tool and all of a sudden i you know everything was kind of falling into place in my head and i and i really loved those moments and and i had at least one every single play session but when i when i put it down when it came time to pick it back up, I'd be like, I don't, I don't know if I want to pick up Tunic right now. <laughs> and one of the reasons is that there is a lot of repetition. Um, because of, like you mentioned, the difficulty of the game and some of the encounter and environment design. Um, sometimes the level design is absolutely brilliant and sometimes mm-hmm. it's kind of maddening. And so there's, there's this, frustration time and this downtime that's kind of built into the structure of the game that unfortunately it kind of takes away from it because the combat by itself is not satisfying enough to want to keep doing these same things over and over and over again and Mm -hmm. so when you have to it does take some of the shine away off the game and so it's a game that i would recommend to a lot of people to try out and to explore but um it's far from a perfect experience for me. Again, like you said, I I would love to be able to play this game again for the first time, but um, it doesn't all hang together as a just a holistic, like complete experience.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I got the feeling coming out of this that like this game was like a test of like what kind of gamer I am, or like how my brain works when I'm presented with stuff like this, and I feel like I got like a C plus on the test (laughs) and I would just love to try it again you know Mm -hmm. it's not a game where I would like to play it again for the first time to experience incredible story moments that will make me cry you know like the first time Mm -hmm. it's just I I feel like I can do better like I just want another chance I'm not going to get that chance though so Mm -hmm. kind of frustrating (laughs) yeah yeah so uh we're going to take a little break um we'll listen to some tunic uh, music when we come back we'll get into the story setup uh, for the game So in Tunic, you play as a little fox-looking creature. Uh, you wake up on a beach uh, with no fanfare, and off you go. And that is the story setup for Tunic. We're moving on to the next section. Um, <laughs> literally nothing at the beginning. You just kind of wake up and you start moving. And this kind of gets into like the kind of the way the game communicates with you because they're not. You know, no one's going to come talk to you and explain to you like the lore of this world or anything like that. And if they do, um, it's all in this cryptic language that was created for this game. Uh, So you can't read anything. If NPCs talk to you, you can't understand them. And really gave me a like a stranger in a strange land feeling at the beginning. But there came a a certain point in the game where I just kind of stopped reading stuff Mm. or like stopped like... Too many times I was like, hey, I wonder what that sign says. I go up and read the sign. I can't read it. So then sooner or later, I was like, you know what? Fuck that sign. I'm not reading that sign. I can't read it. So,
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, I thought that this was going to be a very different kind of game at first. And so I... Um, I, I'm a person who, who grew up on really old school first person turn based dungeon crawlers, like the, the old wizardries and bard's tales of the world. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, having a little piece of graph paper and mapping those games square by square, that can be really satisfying to me. So, and, and, um, a game that, there are some comparisons to here. Uh, La Mulana. Uh, you take a whole bunch of notes about how the puzzles work and interact with each other, and so you end up collecting this big notebook. And so, when I first sat down for this game, I thought it was going to be an extensive note-taking game, and I was and mm-hmm. I was writing out the language, and I was like, "Okay, this. Okay, I think this says home, and maybe I can like translate more of the language uh, it through that." And it was really slowing me down. And after I kind of gave up trying to translate the language by myself, that's from the manual and from all the signs, I realized that mostly what it's trying to do is communicate that sense of being lost and not maybe, you know, being a kid and not being able to read all of the manual yourself. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I kind of gave up on on taking that extensive of notes – the game became a lot more fun because i think that it 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 wants you to finding the manual pages where you do and using the few translated words plus all of the images um it'll get you about 70 percent of the way there and i think it always the game always wants you to feel like you grasp between 50 and 70 percent of it and mm-hmm. i had to let that go i had to be like okay no this game is not trying to make sure that I'm taking meticulous notes and figuring everything out. This is not an Oprah Din, you know, this this is yeah. this is not that kind of game. Um, mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it a lot more once I accepted that, but it, it took a little while.
0: Yeah, I had intentions of trying to figure out the language too, um, because like you said, when you get that first manual page and you see that there are entire sections in the manual, not only signs, not only things that NPCs say to you that are in this language, I had all intentions of trying to translate it i quickly gave up and then after i played i went on youtube and i i watched a video that was like how to translate the tunic language Mm -hmm. and i can confidently say even (laughs) if i applied myself there was no fucking way i would have figured it out no absolutely
1: no way so (laughs) me either uh yeah i I, and (laughs) and in that way you know this game is in conversation with fez um the music is very reminiscent. Um, a lot of the things that it does with a forced isometric perspective. That this, I feel like Scholz had to have played Fez and kind of made this in quasi response. And Fez, the language is very one to one. Once you figure out what the trick is, it's all there. And hmm. this one. He he saw that and he was like, I don't want to do a one-to-one cipher. I want to do something that is a little bit more alien and complicated, but still understandable if you really mm-hmm. dive deep. And I think he does that, but like, oh my goodness, there is no way that I would have figured this out by myself. Yeah. Same. So, so we've talked about how this is all
0: super cryptic. Y- you are... I don't want to say you're not going to figure this out. People listening who are thinking about playing, you might, maybe you're (laughs) just, it works for your brain better than us, but the game is not going to rely on you to translate that. Um, The things that you find out by translating it are not critical information that you need to beat the game. Uh, So I'll say that, but they're also not hiding everything from you because uh, this is one of maybe the key feature of tunic is as you play, you will pick up uh, pages of the game's manual as treasures in the game. And they are great treasures to find because they are an actual game manual that will teach you how to play. So like an early one that you pick up will explain to you how your dodge roll works and how your iframes work. And it will say like your iframes are in this section of the animation of your dodge roll Look for little dust clouds that tells you you have your iframes during that time. Um, And you'll continually find stuff like this throughout the game that teaches you how to play. And these end up being incredible treasures. Like, so the best thing a game can do to make me want to explore is to give me really cool treasure for exploring Mm -hmm. or puzzle solving or whatever. And these manual pages are incredible to find. Every time I found one, I was like, fuck yes. I learned something new about the game Let me see how I can kind of improve my experience here. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you you got that same feeling then?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also, when the manual gave me a hint, but because there was some untranslated piece of language, it's like, okay, it's not giving me everything, but it's giving me enough that I can try this. And Mm -hmm. that was also a really exciting feeling of like, oh, my goodness, uh, that's how this works. And it's pretty incredible because a lot of game manuals really weren't th- as helpful as the one is in this game. I right. mean, it, it, it's, <laughs> you know, you coming home from the store, like you said, my imagination would be filled up with all of this manual information, but it, it, those games ended up being pretty intuitive at the end of the day. A, a few exceptions, you know star tropics needing the manual needing to dip a piece of the manual in water uh or you know um metal gear solid or something yeah yeah yeah. but (laughs) but 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 for the most part like this this game's manual does things that i wanted game manuals to do and they did you know in my head but not in reality it's so Mm -hmm. yeah the feeling of picking up a new manual page and being pouring over it and being like okay what's it telling me how does this connect to what i want to do next and and even i mean it is is it a spoiler to talk about the maps in the manual no 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 okay um so they give you these little areas uh they 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 give you the area maps and you pick them up generally on your way to that area that's it's pretty even though there's tons of secrets hidden everywhere and there are multiple paths that you can go down generally if you really need a manual page for something it'll be along along the way Mm -hmm. and i opened up the manual to just check to see what this the map of this overworld looked like and i noticed that there was a little fox icon and i realized that it was keeping my place on the manual as well so i could actually use those maps actively because a I'm guessing my little fox guy was using it to orient himself. And so mm-hmm. he's like, okay, well I'm here. And so now I, I can see on the map too. Like, Oh, okay. It, it, really, that was one of the big moments that I knew like this game was doing something special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the manual is really an accomplishment. And I guess before getting into like our experience with the manual, I just want to also point out this thing looks beautiful like Mm -hmm. getting a new manual page and looking at it for information was always fun, but it was always fun just to look at it because it's like beautifully illustrated. Um, the, the layout of it is really awesome. It's like, it would be like the best of like a 30 page Nintendo power profile on a game or like a magazine profile. It's really awesome to look at. And like, I, like I said at the beginning, like I, had some amount of fun with this game. This this is it's it's not on like my 2022 game of the year list even, but I want this manual. I want to like mm-hmm. have it at my house and flip through it. It's it's just a beautiful kind of artistic work too, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree completely. It it it's it's really cool.
0: Yeah. So, then the experience then. So, this is kind of we'll get into the gameplay and like combat and stuff like that, but this is kind of like the key thing about this game is finding these manual pages, slowly learning about the world. Maybe you pick up a map, maybe you pick up something that explains a mechanic to you, something that was always there, but you didn't know was there, stuff like that. How was this experience for you? Did this land?
1: About 80% of the time it did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, yeah, uh, it it was really, really cool. And it kept the process of discovery Going even as I started to kind of feel out the basic structure of the game, there were still mm-hmm. surprises because there were still manual pages that I was uncovering, and when it worked, it really worked for me. And when it didn't, it was like ah, this is kind of annoying. It, it was really it, it when it flopped, it's a really deflating feeling. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, this it's a, it was a game of high highs and more highs than lows, but then the lows were pretty low.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I had kind of figured that if this manual thing is going to work on anyone, it's going to work on you, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm kind of with you. 80%, 70% success. Um, those moments where either you, you're you pushing forward into the unknown and you just really need a, a push in the right direction. You find a manual page that explains, like I said, some mechanic, or maybe you get the map. Or maybe you just get a page that tells you, you know, maybe check over in this area next Mm -hmm. or something like that, like a suggested route to follow or something. Those are great. And then times when I felt like I was stuck and I was like, let me just look through the manual again. Let me see if there's something I glossed over the first time. Maybe it'll help me this time. Couple times that that was helpful too. And -hmm. that's a great moment as well. Like, um, there's, I'll talk about it later. There's a, there's a an area late in the game uh, that has a pretty harsh um, environmental hazard. The manual told me how to deal with that, um, but I had to go back and look through at old pages uh, to find it. There were times, though, that I did not hold up my end of the bargain here. So like, there is a very crucial, crucial thing in the game. I'm not going to spoil now, but it's very important for a a difficult RPG-type game. Um, the manual taught me how to do it. I looked at the page. I said, okay, cool. I can't do it right now. So I'll come back to this later. And then I just forgot. And I played like 10 hours of the game without it. And I was getting so mad. And then I, someone pointed out to me, Hey, why don't you just, you know, redacted? And I was like, ah, fuck (laughs) Dave, Dave, (laughs) come on, Dave. So like (laughs) great in theory, like this manual thing, but for me, there were those like super goldfish brain moments or moments where I was just like, I read something and I was like, I think I get this, but I didn't get it, you know? So it led to some maybe unnecessary frustrations with me. And I I just, I gotta think like most people are gonna have some kind of moment like that, right? Like, I don't know how many people are gonna play through this game and 100% get it. I feel like they got to account for this and not to say that they didn't. I feel like my personal fuck up that I just danced around there was like one of the worst things you could fuck up on. <laughs> but I, I got to feel like most people are going to have a similar experience with that
1: or with something else, you know? I wonder, yeah, I I wonder if you and I fucked up in the same way because okay. <laughs> my my early game was also full of like, I, I can I heard, you know, it's like, I I heard combat was difficult, but I cannot get through this. What is going on? Right. Um, And, and then, yeah, it was when I figured it out, it was staring me right in the face. And I was just like, oh, so mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, maybe our moments are totally different. But yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting, because there was also one moment for me where, The manual gave me just enough rope to hang myself, where it pointed me in a vague direction of where I thought that I was supposed to go. And based on Mm -hmm. the knowledge that I had, I was like, oh, I know exactly where that is. I just need to figure out how to get there. And so I spent all of this time in this one corner of the map being like, okay, is it this? No. Is it this? No. Is it this? No. And – I had misinterpreted the manual, and in fact, I needed to be in some place entirely different. And, um you know, that was a big part of Zelda One. The like this feeling of being lost, and then getting kind of frustrated because it's like, well, how, you, well, I thought that I was doing the right thing. Why is I, why am I doing the wrong thing? Like that. Mm-hmm. It, this is bullshit. Like that. <laughs> mm. I'm so conflicted on it because. I think that that is a very intentional part of the design. And I think that being frustrated can be a very valid and uh, feeling to for a game to give you, but I don't always think it was worth it. It, it. it there's 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 something holding me back from calling this game capital G great, and I can't really put my finger on it because everything almost everything that I think of is like a Potential demerit, I think, is something that was at least partly intentional, and so it's like, okay, you succeeded at what you're trying to do, but also it's making me hold this game at at, at an arm's length now.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that you nailed it when you said that there's a design philosophy going on in this game to have the player, you know, seventy percent sure of what they're supposed to do, and always give them that thirty percent, like I'm I'm lost, I'm pushing into the unknown. All I have are these vague hints guiding me, and I think it's mostly successful, but not always successful. And mm-hmm. I I think that for the people that this game like really clicks with, if you got through this game without any of those, you know, major, you know, goldfish brain moments like that I had, I, I think this is the type of game that if it hits with you, you'd be like, this is the greatest game ever made. Like, this is incredible there are people I think that that will have that experience it wasn't me it wasn't you Ryan I Mm. I wonder like what percent of people are actually going to get this intended experience from start to finish and that's not even talking about how difficult the game is uh, which we're going to talk about um, here after this music break So this game plays uh, very much like a an isometric uh, action game, a Zelda game, a a Death's Door. If you want to go with a, a recent game like that, there are some kind of Souls-like elements to it. Although, like I didn't get huge Souls vibes from this, though you know it does have a stamina system. You are reading attack patterns, memorizing boss patterns, and stuff like that. I didn't get a huge like Dark Souls thing. This just feels like a really hard game to me. I don't know if that was your experience too.
1: Yeah. It you know, it it's it's always tough to kind of uh to examine soul's influence because games like this had stamina bars before Dark Souls. And um the stamina bar, the like dodge roll with iframes, and the and the like the, the difficult encounters, those are all things that people think of as Dark Souls y. Um but honestly It kind of felt more like, like a translation of 3D Zelda combat back into 2D, but then they made it hard. It's, it, 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 the Mm -hmm. locking on and the looking for an open window and, you know, dealing with the fact that some of these enemies also, uh, you know, will try to stay away from you or, or, or will try to block you or things like that. It, it, it reminded me a little bit of Wind Waker and Skyward Sword. Um, but demanding of a lot more rigor and, and maybe also not tuned tightly enough to be able to demand the kind of rigor that it does. Yeah. That was
0: a major sticking point with me is that, um, this game is really hard. I have already mentioned that I did something in the game that made it harder for myself. I acknowledge that once I got that sorted out though, I still think this game's too hard Mm -hmm. and it, it really comes down to the amount of damage that you can take versus the amount of health that bosses have, especially bosses, um, the amount of field encounters, like when you're just going through levels and there are like 17 enemies that all rush at you at the same time. And unlike a souls, like, or something like that, they will not give up. If you Mm -hmm. run away, they will pursue you across the entire map if they can. So, that was a sticking point with me. Luckily, I played this after the reduced difficulty was patched in. Did you play mm. it um, on the redu- with the reduced, or was it before that was an option?
1: It was standard. I, I played on the standard difficulty. Um, okay, and I will say that. Um, I had a lot more trouble with the regular encounters uh than I did with the boss encounters in the first half of the game, and then in the second half of the game, most of the regular encounters i could it, it ended up starting to be trivialized once you have enough tools, and the boss encounters just kind of become hateful um. Yes. I remember, you know, people were talking about the bosses and the first two bosses, I was just like, I, you know, I died a couple of times, but they were pretty simple. You know, I, I, I got them and it was, it was like being swarmed by seven enemies that, that do not give up. They don't have a tether. They just, like you said, they just keep following you. That was way harder. And then once that balance shifted, it, I really don't like the last boss of this game. I, I know that uh-huh. that's jumping way ahead, but like, <laughs> you know, it's it, it. Yeah, yeah. It's um. It's a common point of
0: criticism among people who've played it, and I totally agree. And I'm with mm-hmm. you that the the difficulty balance between bosses and regular enemies does flip about halfway through the game, I think, and. I was just glad I was playing on that reduced difficulty. So if you're listening, um, all the reduced difficulty does is have the damage you can take. It does not affect how much damage you do, how much HP the enemies have. It's just you have double defense. That's it. And I thought that that was a much better balance. Still not uh, right, in my opinion, but better. Um, There are also some other uh, toggles you can switch on, but they're like God mode things. There's invincibility, And there is an infinite stamina toggle Mm. that you can switch on. Um, I used the invincibility for the final boss because I was at the point where I was like, this fucking sucks. I'm not having fun. (laughs) I just want this to be over. So I used that. And it it reminded me of something that I saw in a no-clip documentary uh, about the making of Death's Door, where that's another uh, very small team that made that game. And they talked about a struggle that they had where they had people play test it and they were like, what are you doing? This game is impossible. And they realized that since they play it all the time and they're a super small team, they don't have dedicated play testers that play it all the time. They were like, we didn't realize it's so hard because we are so good at it. Mm. And I wonder if that was something that, that the difficulty could be attributed to in this game too, because that reduced difficulty was patched in six months after the game released even so, Interesting. I really got me thinking about that
1: because this the default difficulty I think is hateful in this mm-hmm. game. Yeah, mm-hmm. the difficulty ends up going against a lot of the philosophy of the game, which is about that sense of discovery, and that sense of discovery grinds to a complete halt once you have to do the same run 13 times in a row. Mm -hmm. um and it's like okay i'm not getting you any new pages i'm not seeing any new areas i'm not opening up any new shortcuts i'm just banging my head against this and also i can't even sprint past it because i don't know where the next screen transition is going to be which is the only thing that stops the enemies from following you Uh um so yeah i i agree i think the default difficulty is is pretty hateful uh and cruel and um That being said, I'm not sure if I would have if I would have bumped it down to easy. It's just not the kind of person I am, Um, Mm -hmm. and that I see a default difficulty and I go, "Oh, this is the game that the developer wanted me to play." Therefore, I need to do that, and Mm -hmm. that's not, you know, I don't think that way is more correct or anything. Um, That's just my own personal preference.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. The other thing that I think makes this difficulty subtractive from the game is that i don't think the combat is bad but it's very very simple Mm -hmm. Uh, you have a three hit sword combo you have a dodge roll you can block uh, you have a parry the parry timing i found to be impossible to get a hold of Uh, so Mm -hmm. parry was not part of my vocabulary um, in this game and it's all governed by stamina uh, or the amount of times you can dodge i'll say But if you run out of stamina, then you are a sitting duck, uh, basically. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this combat, specifically like the melee combat, um, you get ranged attacks, but you're governed by magic. So it's not unlimited. You cannot stock up in like a huge way. The fact that it's so simple led me to a lot of frustrating things where it's like, the only way that I'm going to beat this boss is to no hit it, basically, or like 100% it. Mm-hmm. There's no, it, there was no like, you know, I'm fighting a boss. Let me reassess the tools that I have. See if there's something else I could do different. Maybe there's like a consumable that I've been carrying that I didn't use. Maybe that'll be helpful. You can't do that in this game. You just have to master it. And when you die in three or four hits, you have very limited heals. Um, mm-hmm. Your healing is not a full heal every time you heal. It's a, it's a percentage. All these things add up to a combat system that would have been a lot more fun if the difficulty was just a lot less.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, And to go along with that, I mean, we've kind of talked about it kind of at, at angles, but not head on. Um, Some of the encounter design is, is also really hateful because it will present you with A room or like an open area on the water that will have four enemies strategically placed so that it looks like if you're really careful you can do the souls thing and lure one at a time but actually as soon as that one enemy gets an exclamation mark over its head everyone else is alerted and all of a sudden they're all swarming at you and you you just don't have the tools to fight four enemies at once um and the the targeting and the way that blocking is tied to your targeting uh can also be super frustrating because there could be like some flying enemy trying to shoot you from off screen but you can't you can't spin your shield fast enough to face it and so you just have Mm -hmm. to eat that hit without any defensive vocabulary and so when i'm Trying to figure out a bot or, or or an enemy that has you know a big shield in front of it, and figuring out when it lifts its shields back, or you know how to strafe around behind it, or whatever, it can be fun. But as soon as there is like more than two enemies that I'm fighting, it becomes almost impossible.
0: Yeah, I, I never felt like I had great um, crowd control options in the game. Mm-hmm. The only real crowd control that I could find was to just try and line up the enemies so that my sword hits all of them at the same time <laughs> um, instead of, uh, you know, there's, there's just not a whole lot of options. And like, I, I we're, we are in the middle of complaining about the combat a lot. And I really just think this would have been fine if the game was not so damn hard. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that the difficulty, I don't think, the, let me put that the other way. I don't think this combat system supports the game being as hard as it is. If I you agree. had more tools- Or if the game was easier, this would have been fun. I would have had a lot of fun with it. And I did have fun sometimes. Um, Some of the early bosses in the game, I had a good time trying to learn. Um, Even though I was handicapping myself uh, without realizing it, I had a good time with them. And then it just, it it got to be too much. And there's some other mechanics I'll talk about later that I don't want to spoil, but I think are punitive and hateful. It's just kind of mind boggling um, how, this all shook out how it was all balanced out
1: yeah um i think that the item economy also contributes to that in that um there are several shops around where you can buy consumables um Mm -hmm. but the vast majority of your consumables are in treasure chests and once those treasure chests are opened that's that's it and so sometimes this game has the sekiro problem of these consumables feeling too valuable to experiment with, especially Uh because there's other important stuff to buy with your currency. Um, It never felt like the currency collection far outstripped the stuff that I had left to buy. And so – I was afraid of it's like, oh, well, this looks like a new type of bomb. What if I throw it at this guy? Oh, well, then I only have two left and I don't know when the next time I'm going to pick another one of these up is. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: That's this is something that I um like an underrated thing that I think Elden Ring just solved in a super graceful way earlier this year, uh, which is um, you know what, you use all those bombs, craft some more. They mm-hmm. you you have unlimited of those items. If you find the crafting materials and you will, if you're exploring around, uh, this game doesn't have anything like that. So like you said, some of those consumables did feel like some of them were too good to use on things that I thought like, yeah, I'm having a hard time, but I'm going to have a harder time after this. So I better not use it here. And then some of them were just like super rare. And like you said, not sure when I'm going to find another one. One thing that I think this game does really well, I, you know, we've talked about the combat and difficulty. I think exploring in this game is great. Um, mm-hmm. I loved coming into a new area and looking for treasure, looking for treats everywhere. There's there's lots of hidden stuff. There's, um, I think there's even, if I remember right, there's like illusory walls uh, in the game, mm-hmm. or there are places that because it's an isometric perspective, they were there, they're open. It's just the camera's not showing you that you can walk in there. So I felt rewarded a lot of times for like poking and prodding in corners and stuff. And that's a great feeling. And you always find something great. You'll find a manual page or you'll find some consumables or um, even like more valuable things like extra
1: healing charges or something like that. Um, really fun to explore. I completely agree. It's, I think the most unqualified success of this game is how much fun it is to poke at the corners and it does just like the you know level design crowning achievement of you see a treasure chest some you know on the screen you can't figure out how you would possibly get there and then Seven minutes later, you're coming at it from the back side, and, it, you know, you go behind some perspective shifting waterfall or something. And all of a sudden you're there and you're like, oh, my God, I made it. And it's not yeah. even that far down the line. Um, and that that never stopped being exciting. I never stopped being impressed with how clever the level design was and how much fun it was to unlock new areas and find treasure chests and just really soak in the atmosphere along the way. It I it's a fantastic exploration game. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and um the level design is I thought pretty consistently really good. There's a couple levels in the game where it's just kind of like you're in this flat kind of open area, but Most of the levels I felt like um, were designed in that way where like paths um, shoot off from the main path and loop back on places that you couldn't get to earlier um, or you open up shortcuts uh, that will help you, um, you know, like you you push forward in that kind of soulsy type of way. You're running out of healing. You find a shortcut that leads you back to your your checkpoint, um, basically. And those are always great feelings. And one thing I really appreciated in this game is that, those shortcuts are not always like just one way doors that you open up um or like kicking down a rope or something. A lot of times that shortcut was always there. You just didn't know it was there because of the perspective that the game is giving you. And every time I got like a, like a Lucille Bluth seeing Jean Parmesan, like, ah, oh, that's great. <laughs> like every, every time never got yeah. old, like really appreciate that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, we, um, we've, We've mentioned Fez before, uh, and it definitely has some of that. It also has some uh, of that iOS game Monument Valley vibes Mm -hmm. to it, where uh, because of the forced isometrics perspective, um, yeah, you find yourself going behind something that you didn't realize you could go behind or going through something that you didn't realize initially that you could go through. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh. Hey, I know this place. I'm back here. Oh, yeah, like like you said, this was always here that it's that is so, so neat.
0: Yeah, it's like um, if you've played Fez listeners, in Fez, you could rotate the levels and it would open up new paths for you. You can't rotate it in tunic, but I feel like if you could, it would be very similar. It's just they're designed in that same sort of way. Just you can't rotate it. You're going to find out that that other path is there by coming at it from another angle and endlessly really, really good. Uh, so like the, the combat was hit and miss, we'll say. There were times mm-hmm. when I was having fun with the combat and there were times when I really hated it. But going through the levels, exploring, finding shortcuts, finding treasure, even doing the puzzles, like the puzzles are fine in this game. I had I had Zelda fun doing Zelda-type puzzles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you're into that, this game has it. I would say that a lot of my time playing the game... I was having fun because of how good it is, how good the feeling is to explore. It's just really when you hit a difficulty wall in this game, it is a brick fucking wall mm-hmm. in my experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, so yeah, like to kind of wrap up gameplay here, it feels like we complained more than we praised, but because my complaints were so crucial to the experience I felt like I had less fun than I could have, but there is a lot of fun to be had here. Like I don't I don't want people to come out of this thinking like Dave hated the entire time he was playing it because it was hard. I really enjoyed exploring the levels. Uh I just, you know, difficulty, we talked about that. It was a it was mm-hmm. a real thing.
1: And also, in defense of this game, because I, I do still really like it as 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 much as we've har- we've harped on the difficulty, um, a lot of the stuff that i would want to praise ends up getting into spoiler territory because it it so it's tough in the generality section when this game is a collection of moments that made me go like oh shit yeah it's <laughs> it's it's tough when we're avoiding spoilers in this section to to explain exactly what parts of this game were so magical but you know yes. it, it i i i think that if i were to give my most charitable and enthusiastic reading of why this game is still worth playing it's because it recaptures that feeling of early zelda where each new discovery opened up a whole new world of possibilities and Mm -hmm. it made a game formula like zelda feel fresh and dangerous again um which is you know it's it's something i really appreciate because um zelda before link between worlds and breath of the wild started to feel extremely incredibly rote and by the numbers and to have something that follows the same overall outline but still feels right with possibility is something that's really special yeah well said
0: Other points to um, to praise in Tunic, I think. Um, number one, the way the game looks mm-hmm. is um, it's a beautiful game. It is. It's it's. When I first saw it, I thought I actually I want to play this on Switch. This feels like a game where I want to like play in bed and uh, cozy up and play. And the more I started looking at it, I was like, actually, I want to play this on the highest resolution that I can because it looks really really nice. Everything is. Soft but crisp, like Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense of the way I'm describing it. Um, it's yeah, really good looking game, very colorful. Um, I like the contrast between like the soft, kind of high real field type of color scheme, but then all these bright neons um, around the world and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I and I talked about the manual before that everything about this looks awesome,
1: I think. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I also want to pay special attention to not just the 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 major animations but the micro animations um the main character the fox that you play his animation is so bouncy every step Mm -hmm. he takes his little tail bounces up and down a little bit it's it's extremely expressive uh and also everything feels really physical for as soft as the edges are it's a very tactile game you it, i i feel like i can reach out and touch it and know how it feels mm-hmm. um and another actual visual visual touchstone which might it, it, if you look at these two games side by side you might be like ryan what the fuck are you talking about but um <laughs> some of the ways that it repurposes uh, mythical video game imagery and you know kind of like ancient machinery uh mixed with nature and stuff like that reminded Mm. me of uh the game uh super brothers sword and sorcery it has this kind of feeling of trying to uh, trying to update the visual magic of of this kind of like old ancient rundown machinery amidst um an overgrown world kind of vibe um, mm-hmm. and some of the kind of more spoilery environmental designs in this game really recalled Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery to me.
0: Mm-hmm. I haven't played that game, but I will, uh, I'll take your word for it. And you're right. That kind of, that mix of, like you said, ancient machinery, uh, very Breath of the Wild in that way, where mm. you have that juxtaposition of the guardians with the kind of nature's healing type of vibe that that game has. Um, yes. also very similar here. You talked about the micro animations, uh, especially with the main character. I will also praise the big animations um, because for as difficult as the game is, I do want to give it credit that if you memorize enemy animations, um, you will know what's coming. Um, I often felt like I didn't have enough time to get out of the way of what was coming, but I did know what was coming, both with enemy windups and also sound cues uh, with a lot of um, some bosses that I'm thinking of and a lot of field enemies too. So praise there as well.
1: Absolutely. I agree there.
0: And speaking of sound, the soundtrack, uh, saving, in my opinion, some of the best for last. I -hmm. love this soundtrack. Um, It is not the soundtrack that I expected uh, when I saw this game. You know, I thought it would be, this game's incredibly Zelda inspired. I thought it would have like bombastic Zelda tunes. Not the case here. This is like a can it help me describe this? I was thinking like it's a it's a very low-key soundtrack. Yeah. Kind of like a uh, lo-fi electronic music to study to type of vibes
1: sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Um it it has elements of like ambient game music, but there's always there's always a melody to follow. It's, you know, it's very textural and chill and, you know, uh, very very calming, but there there is always some little earworm to latch onto, uh, which is a, is a tip. It's a difficult balance to strike because either I feel like I, with video game music, you're either getting melody or you're getting atmosphere. And this I think is more on the atmosphere side of things, but there is still melody there. It's not all just ambient swells and chirps.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I can, um I have one of those melodies rolling around in my head right now. Uh, this <laughs> This soundtrack is, um, like you said, very good at building up an atmosphere, uh, kind of an exploring atmosphere in a lot of ways, Uh, supports what the game wants you to do, which is to kind of push out into the unknown. And this soundtrack has turned into a soundtrack that I listen to outside of the game. It's a great, like, I need to listen to something while I work, but not something that's too intrusive and demands my attention you know, this soundtrack is really good uh, for that. I think that this stands out from a lot of video game soundtracks, because if you you would have played this for me, before I played this, I would not have guessed that this was a video game soundtrack. I would have just thought Mm -hmm. that this is a, an instrumental kind of a, like I said, lo-fi type of electronic soundtrack.
1: That's it. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it fits with the game, but it doesn't, It it doesn't only fit within the game. It's absolutely music that you can take outside of the game. And I'm glad that mm-hmm. you I'm glad that you connected with it like that.
0: Yeah. I love it when that happens. Um it's I don't want to say it's like the only test for a video game soundtrack, um, uh, but it is a test um that I will come out of the game with a certain mood where I want to put that soundtrack on and listen to it. So love the soundtrack by the time, you know, people listening, you've heard it at this point in the episode unless you've been skipping the music breaks, in which case, shame on you. But uh, good good soundtrack here. Mm -hmm. So let's get into some kind of final thoughts, some housekeeping, and then I think it's time to break down the spoiler wall uh, for Tunic and start talking about some of those things that, uh, like you said earlier, do really add to the experience. We just can't talk about it right now. Uh, So I feel like we got a lot of the simple praises and um, complaints out of the way. Let's get into kind of the wrap-up of the non-spoiler part. So, Ryan, always ask in this section, just to wrap up, some quick closing thoughts, and who would you recommend this to? What type of gamer would you recommend Tunic to?
1: I think I would recommend Tunic, especially now that it has reduced difficulty, even though the reduced difficulty doesn't actually sound like it solves the final boss problem. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Folks who enjoy the feeling of being a little bit lost and folks who really value a sense of discovery in their exploration and a sense of things continuing to open up and possibilities continuing to open up throughout the game. Um, I think that this game does that stronger than most other games um, out there right now.
0: Yeah, this tunic really feels like it has a really old school design sensibility in that it wants you to discover everything for yourself with some help from the manual and stuff. It also feels like it has um, some kind of oversights difficulty mostly. And the person that is going to have like an A plus experience with this is the person that takes the freedom that the game gives it runs with that freedom and also hits all of the intended discoveries along the way. Mm -hmm. And I, like I said earlier, I kind of wonder how many people are going to have that exact experience? Um, whereas we had, like we said, 70, 80% of that experience, but that last 20 to 30% feels like it's really crucial for loving this game. Mm-hmm. And as it stands, it's a game that I respect. Like I respect the hell out of this game and the the vision behind it. I just did not have 100% of that intended experience. So I think your recommendations were right exactly what i would have said too. people who want a game that trusts them Mm -hmm. as you know probably an adult with an adult brain who can go out and figure stuff out for themselves and explore and um, use the clues that the game is giving you connect some dots if that's the type of game that you're wishing for you should play tunic so a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the spoiler section for tunic and always start out the housekeeping section by the guest Uh, plugging your podcast, your content that you create. So Ryan, uh, where should people go if they want to check out um, lightning strikes thrice or other pitch drop stuff?
1: So yeah, lightning strikes thrice uh, is available anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm actually not sure if we're on Spotify or not because I don't pay attention to that. But basically (laughs) anywhere that you can get your podcasts, uh, you can find lightning strikes thrice. We are uh, right now at this time of recording, which is December 26th, a little less than halfway through our final fantasy eight season which has been a lot of fun um if you are interested in some of our patreon exclusive shows you can also go to pitchdrop.cash. that is our patreon uh for as little as a buck a month you get an extra show for as little as five bucks a month you get like three of them there's a lot of really great stuff on the network uh it, it's there's a lot of just like really really fun stuff so go there check us out
0: yeah. Agreed. Uh, quality gaming podcast. I listened to lightning strikes thrice. Um, although, uh, to be honest, it is kind of hard to, um, continue with those series if I haven't played the game, but mm-hmm. I did follow along, um, especially with some of the early episodes, uh, just to kind of get a feel. Cause I don't know if I'm ever going to play Xeno but I enjoyed <laughs> right. listening to you all talk about it. Um, and again, you all did the Lord's work, uh, watching the final fantasy 15, uh, movies and all, Whew. all of those things. Um, so it, it is a perfect, uh, podcast companion for your playthrough of these JRPGs, especially ones that have a lot of meat, um, on the bone, a lot of content, uh, themes and things like that to talk about. Uh, so I, a recommendation for everyone to check it out. And while I'm talking about tales from the backlog stuff, um, in the coming minute or so go down in the show notes, click the links for lightning strikes thrice and pitch drop, and it will take you there. So thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Four tales from the backlog. Best ways to support our regular podcast things like um, leaving a rating and review. Your podcast platform um, allows that. I would really appreciate that. That helps out podcasts a ton. Um, spreading the word, joining the Discord server uh, for the tube. I wonder, we'll probably have some people in there talking about their experiences with Tunic uh, this week um, as we kind of break the uh, the wall where people want to talk about it. So. The Discord server is a good time. There's a good community there. Uh, We would love to have you. The Tube, uh, which is the network for Tales from the Backlog and a Top 3 podcast, also has a Patreon page. Um, If you would like to support that way, that would be great. And I have another show called a Top 3 podcast where every episode is a Top 3 list, usually not about video games. So if you want to hear me talk about other stuff, that's the place. Mm -hmm. So... Ryan and I are going to take a break when we come back. It's spoiler time for Tunic.
1: So one thing that I that I want to start out with is that the game does, when you kind of look at it from a bird's eye view, um, it's doing a bunch of things that a lot of other games have done before it. It's, you know, you uh, kind of like A Link to the Past where you have to get three uh Pendants, and then the world mm-hmm. shifts, and then you have to, and then you have to go to eight dungeons. Here, you ring two giant tuning forks, and then you have to get the three stones from three dungeons around the world. Um, but what I found super cool is that the way it doesn't it's not as binary as a zelda where there is overworld and then there is dungeon they bleed into each other and on your way to the dungeon you're going through a unique environment where you're being asked to do unique things um i'm thinking of seeing the dark tomb on the map being totally i i did not understand how to get through it Um, Mm -hmm. and then seeing the little lantern on the manual page, going down south, thinking that I'm sequence breaking and finding the lantern that I needed and being like, oh, okay, now I can go back up through there. And that technically that dark tomb is not a quote unquote dungeon. You're not getting a pendant. There's not a boss at the end of it, but it is a unique area that has, um, a puzzle or to figure out how to get through it. And, um, you, you have to to go through it, to get to the next major, you know, area. I think mm-hmm. that that kind of going throughout the whole game. Super cool.
0: Yeah. So that first section where, like you said, you, you're ringing the two forks and then you're getting the three keys. I thought that section was pretty masterful at mm-hmm. leading me, but not leading me too much, letting me explore to my own heart's content and, kind of stumbling into the desired path not having any trouble with like i didn't have any times in the first you know half of the game where i was like i have no idea where to go never happened i was i felt like i was always like i think i should be going this way if not i might find something cool but when i actually did go down that path it was the next place that i was supposed to go mm-hmm. and i think it was really really expertly laid out um, in that way This first section of the game, though, um, which uh, I'm curious to see if we did have the same experience, I got through the entire part of getting the three keys without upgrading my character at all, (laughs) because that was the thing that I saw the manual page for. And I was like, I saw it and I was like right before a boss or something. And I was like, because I think you pick that up before you fight the forest guardian boss or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I saw that page and I was like, "Okay, upgrade my character cool. Let me go try this boss, see how it goes. Then I'll think about upgrading." Fought the boss, completely forgot. Mhm. And then mm-hmm. did not remember until I was literally like, "Maybe it was the last boss to get the last key." It was the one on top of the church. Wow. Uh, got there without upgrading. So I beat I beat the big mech uh, tank boss without the siege an upgrade. Engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the siege engine. I did all that with no upgrades and I started to go in my my Discord channels and stuff and and be like, uh, this game's too hard. I hate this. because uh, mm-hmm. that boss on top of the church is really difficult. And people were like, Are you are you upgraded? And I was like, Am I what? <laughs> they were like, Yeah, you get a manual page that teaches you how to upgrade. And I was like I didn't find that fucking page. Where is it? And then I looked at the manual. I found it. Um, I'd had it the whole time. I just forgot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's it's so. (laughs) We did make the same mistake, but I did not. (laughs) Not as long as you. I I I lasted until that very first boss uh, before you ring the second bell. And so you know, I'd made it. It it, it, it's still a good like three three and a half hours of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that that boss. It was actually running from all the crocodiles on the way to that boss. God. Where I where I was like, there has to be something I'm missing, and I look. I had looked at that manual page so many times before I realized it was saying because I th- I was like, oh, I just I have these in my inventory now, so clearly I'm upgraded now. Um, but no, you, you, you have to make the offerings and it costs money. And that was the piece where all of a sudden I was like, you know, my health bar isn't getting any bigger. My defense doesn't feel any stronger. I maybe, maybe these stat upgrades are, are just kind of a lie. And then nope, nope. I, I just didn't understand how to do it. So yeah. You know what the second half of it was for me was, um, in the hero's grave,
0: you have the the gaps you have to dash over late in the game (laughs) Mm -hmm. and get the things to regain your corporeal form. And I had visited the hero's grave several times in that section where I was not upgrading. And I was like, Oh, those items look like the upgrade material looking things I've been picking up. I probably have to get a dash and then I can jump over and upgrade my character. Mm -hmm. And I, I went that whole time thinking that's how I'm going to upgrade. (gasps) Oh, I just can't do it yet. And that was not the case. That is so rough. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was brutal. That being said, once I did get upgraded, I still thought the game was too hard. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I made the first half of the game way too hard for myself. But the second half was as difficult as that first half was with no upgrades. Right. So I still... I still came away feeling like it's way too hard, even though I really hamstrung myself for the first half of the game. It was brutal. Yeah. yeah.
1: No. T- t- absolutely. Um it is funny how much of a difference upgrading makes at first, but then they start to throw the enemies at you and the fucking HP drain and yeah. uh and the and then the bosses just getting the the bosses just all universally have we too much health for how squishy you are even Mm -hmm. even when you're fully upgraded those those last bosses it's just it's it's a it's a war of attrition and um that's disappointing because the first two bosses the 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 kind of garden temple guardian and the siege engine i really enjoyed um it's Realizing that the trick to the siege engine was staying really close to it with the exception of like one or two attacks. And that actually, not only that, but staying close to it and dashing at the right times mean that some of its own attacks where it like poops out the magma balls and then, and then they make a beeline towards you. That could hurt the boss too. Like that stuff was so cool. And so when. I stopped being able to enjoy the process of figuring it out because I was just dead in two hits. It those bo- bosses stopped being fun.
0: Yeah, there were a couple late game bosses or like mid to late game bosses that I thought were pretty fun. Um, the the one when you go deep down into the you know the mechanical city, the factory level, and then you mm-hmm. fight the like the, I think they call it like the uh, the foreman or something like that some add some, uh, synonym for foreman. Um, I thought that one was pretty fun. Cause you had just gotten the gun. Yes. And that was a good time. Uh, the level before that fucking sucked. I hated that level, Yep, but the boss fight was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. The, the one on top of the church was, uh, too hard, I think. Um, and I, I was very frustrated by how you can only hurt it using ranged attacks. Um, In my experience, if I got too close to it, it ended poorly for me. And it would Mm -hmm. just kind of float out there. And it would summon ads, which is something I hate in every boss fight that has ads. I can't stand it. You have to kill them to refill your magic so you can hurt the boss. And it was just going on for fucking ever.
1: Yeah. The big sin of that church roof boss is um, that it takes away a lot of your offensive vocabulary. and. When the combat is limited enough as it is in this game, you really want to be able to use all of the tools at your disposal. And when you can only do a couple little things instead, it really sucks the fun out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. We were I, talking about the manual before. Is there mm-hmm. something else about the uh, the
1: bosses? Uh, no, that, I think we kind of covered the bosses. Um, I do want to point out the Castlevania 2 mechanic, though, um, oh. where so castlevania 2 very infamously you know has a moment where you have to kneel down at a lake for a certain number of seconds and then a cyclone comes and carries you somewhere else and the game Mm -hmm. does a terrible job of explaining it and when i saw in the manual hold A for three seconds and a cyclone starts forming around you. I was like, Oh my God, they're, they're fucking doing it. They're making Castlevania too relevant. And then it's a mechanic that you then have to keep using to activate the sarcophagi (laughs) throughout the game. And so it's not just a one time thing. And when I saw Mm -hmm. that and I made that connection and I meditated and, and that first sarcophagus, like, lit up and then sank into the ground it was that i think is one of my absolute favorite moments in gaming of 2022 is that they actually made the castlevania 2 mechanic relevant for an entire game
0: yeah Uh, that was something that um i'm happy to say that i i read the manual i figured that out hell yeah yeah that was one of those moments where um i had the intended experience with the game of like you see those monoliths And you're like, what the fuck is that? Like they're everywhere. I know I got to do something with them. And then Mm -hmm. you, I don't remember if you pick up the manual page or if I just flip back at a page I previously found, um, cause something we didn't talk about is that you don't always get the manual pages like directly before you're going to come up on the thing they're explaining. Sometimes you do have to go back and look. So when I figured that out, it was one of those great intended experiences uh, with this Mm -hmm. game. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: Really awesome. Um, another thing that I loved about the manual that I held back in the non-spoiler part is how uh, you had mentioned it with the maps, how your little dude shows up um, where you are on the map. But there are certain manual pages where once you experiment with an item, you get these masks, uh, mm-hmm. right? Well, So once you experiment with the masks, um, you look back at the manual and someone has written in pen what they do with symbols and arrows and stuff like that but um, still like that was another thing. I was like, Oh, this is so cool. This is like, I can't write on it. Cause I, you know,
1: my computer monitor, Right. but if
0: I could, I would be doing this right now. That's awesome.
1: Yes. Yes. I, yeah, the, the, the ways that the map or the, uh, that the manual fills in a little bit uh, and like certain words are revealed and certain things change as you experience the game is yeah, absolutely a masterclass that it, it's, so cool it's so cool
0: mm-hmm. um one of those um big moments where i really appreciated that was with um i think it's the like the pig looking mask mm-hmm. like the miner's mask or something uh for the the level called the quarry which you mentioned it before but it has this hp drain environmental hazard and um, i will admit that I tried way too many times to get through that level without putting that mask on because I just didn't know. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a one-hit kill level. All right, well, challenge accepted. And (laughs) you you can't because there's a a section of it you just can't get through without Mm. the mask. But then I was like, okay, items, what do I have? So I started putting on items. Obviously, if you're not in that and my dog is just going nuts on a chew toy. Oh, with a squeaky toy, there. toy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, there's a like if you're if you're not wearing that mask next to the HP drain, you're not going to notice what it does. But that's when that like marking in pen really came in handy. Mm-hmm. And um, once I figured that out, that was another one of those like really awesome like this HP drain mechanic kind of sucks. I don't like it. But at least the game taught me how to deal with it in the way the game teaches me how to deal with things, and I figured mm-hmm. it out it's a good feeling
1: yes yes again like we it's like i feel I feel like a lot of games that pedal in the kind of things that that tunic is pedaling in um that sense of newness that sense of Oh, this is what they want me to do. stops at a certain point, like two thirds of the way through the game, and then it's like, "Okay, I have all of the knowledge that I need. I can just go through the motions and make my way to the end and yeah. it that it never felt that way in tunic, and that is really, really cool um what What did you think of the story of this game? Yeah, so
0: at the beginning. You get up from the beach. You walk up. You activate the first checkpoint, and you go into—I uh, forget when it is—but you you get sucked into this um, other world. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it's called, um, like the the between land or some shit, some other dimension. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's how your fast travel works, also. But held that out um, in non-spoiler part. And I really didn't get any story from it at all until you find the imprisoned motherly, seemingly motherly fox. Mm-hmm. And I really I was like, oh shit, my mom is imprisoned by these like rings. And I'm gonna go get these keys to let my mom out. And that's gonna be the end of the game. Mm-hmm. That, so that's what I thought the story was for a long, long time. How about hmm. you?
1: Yeah, it it's interesting because um the story has been done so many times before kind of uh you're discovering that this ancient civilization discovered a thing that it really wanted but that thing ended up corrupting the civilization and the individuals inside the civilization Mm -hmm. and now there is a cycle to keep it at bay essentially and um when i first learned that that's where it was going after all the mystery of like, okay, why am I here? Who's this ghost fox woman? What's going on? I was initially very disappointed because it felt very rote. But um something that I really appreciated is the little environmental gameplay details that give you more of what's going on without actually having to spell it out in the text. So a lot of the the progression of the first half of the game when you activate these monoliths this pink or blue energy uh mostly pink um travels along these these conduits and and opens up new sections and you get down to the beach down south and you discover that it's not hard light it's actually like a liquid substance and you find that out because there's a leak in one of the conduits and it's dripping this purple energy and you get near the purple energy and it starts to distort uh and then you like snake around to the left and you find a bird feeding off of this purple energy and becoming fucked up and evil and around (laughs) the same time it's like I was like, you know, it's interesting that a lot of the enemies that I'm fighting that have weapons or some kind of civilization are also all foxes inter- or or wolves or something. Interesting. So this old culture is also dog-like. I wonder if that has anything to do with things. And then you and then you get further in and you realize, okay, it seems like these ancient foxes were corrupted by this miasma uh, by, by this, by this, you know, purple juice, uh, but that purple juice also gave them what they wanted as a society. But in fact, what are in these monoliths are corrupted foxes. So they're like the graves of you, the things that you're activating by meditating <laughs> are these entombed foxes that have been corrupted by this force. And so like those little details I thought were awesome and even if the story itself goes some extremely predictable places i do like how much information is totally non that they ended up communicating to me um you know environmental storytelling to the max it it matters a little less that the story that it's telling is such a repetitive one because i feel like it 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 kind of knows you know the 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 game is a is a very knowing and loving homage to all these other games that came before, so it makes sense. But but yeah, it's like the story itself. I was kind of like whatever. But the way that the story was revealed to me, even though I didn't bother translating the language, I thought was very neat.
0: Yeah, that is um that's cool. Like I think along the lines of what you said, if if the story that you're telling, just the beat by beat plot of it, is not the most novel. The way that you tell it can elevate it, like you mm-hmm. said. Um, that being said, uh, I don't—I do not pick up on environmental storytelling in most things that I play, so I missed mm. almost all of that. Um, I had no idea what was happening in the story until I went into that kind of factory level, mm. and then I was like, "Okay, like they're you know because in before that you're in the quarry where they're mining this energy, basically." Yeah, um, and I was like, "Oh, okay. This is this energy hurts me. It's obviously bad in some way, corrupting in some way. They're taking it. Obviously, they want it. I'm not sure what they want it for, but you know." Then you get deep down into the factory and you start to see those monoliths being put together, and I was like, "Oh, that's uh, that's." I was hoping that that wasn't going to be what what it was, but uh-huh. yeah, the story for me was really really taking a back seat and. The story part that I would have kind of connected with is something that I didn't see on my own um, because it requires you to 100% the game um, to see it. (laughs) So the story that I got was that kind of predictive, uh, predictable, tried and true type of story where you beat the final boss and you basically take its place in that prison. Yeah. Um, Very Hollow Knight, Dark Souls type of ending. And. Mm When I saw that, I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, that kind of sucks." Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's not that I'm like over that type of story. It's just kind of like that wasn't what I was expecting. But I didn't know what I was expecting because, like I said, I don't pick up on environmental storytelling very well. Mm. I remember that those things on the beach, like when you're explaining, you know, you see the the wire that's been cut or the conduit that's been cut, and all the liquid is spilling out and there's this big ugly corrupting pool there i mm-hmm. remember that but i also remember just being very frustrated by how many enemies were trying to kill me <sighs> yeah and right next to that one there was an enemy that did like a hook shot grab attack and would like pull me up onto a higher oh, story and a bunch those, of things attack me those yeah. frog <laughs> assholes
1: oh yeah. man and so
0: and so like in this place that has this environmental storytelling, I'm not saying I would have picked up on it because I probably wouldn't have. But my, I was so focused on like not getting destroyed by everything around yeah. me that yeah. I definitely didn't pick up on that stuff.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. That not that makes a ton of sense. Yeah that 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 makes a ton of sense. And and again, it's it's very much the game's philosophy of trusting you to get out what you put in but yeah. you know pe- people are going to have different levels of that and and while I don't think that that is the fault of the game I also don't think it's the fault of the player if they don't pick up on it it's just one mm-hmm. of those things
0: Um, one story thing that I did think was cool is when you you know, you know, release that um, imprisoned fox the air, it's called the air in the game um, once you release it uh, you immediately get the feeling um, I should not have released that that was, mm-hmm. that was a bad thing that I have done and I love it when games uh, do that to me kind of a Shadow of the Colossus type thing um, where I have accomplished my goal and I was like oh I didn't know that was going to happen I'm looking around like, I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> I did yes. the best intentions. And then it, it you get into a boss fight with it and uh, it kills you, uh, but it doesn't just kill you. It takes away your corporeal form and you become like a spirit fox mm. and you have to go on this quest to regain um, your life in the physical world, basically. And I found that to be kind of frustrating going around and getting those things or finding out how to get in because your your paths that you know are blocked in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. um, but I did enjoy like the story aspect of that, like the quest to get my body back,
1: you know, yeah, that was really neat where it's like you know it it's it's steal you're you think that you're doing the quest for this entity and then you release mm-hmm. the entity and it steals a bunch of really important shit from you like yeah, yeah. that <laughs> that part was very neat very
0: cool and you're still doing zelda things you have to go to the corners of the map and collect these um i, I don't remember if it's six or if it's eight things from you have to get inside the hero's grave mm-hmm. and um you get a dash and then you can like i said earlier you can go get those items that i thought were the upgrade system <laughs> um but they're really just to get your your stats and then at the end your body back uh, right. so that you can take on the final boss um, in the way you see fit So there are two ways to approach the final boss um, in the game and get the ending. Um, There's a good ending and a very bad ending. The bad ending is what I think that 99% of people who play this game are going to do, unless you follow a guide for how to get the good ending. And I might just be kind of projecting myself as a gamer onto other people. No, I'm not. So um, talk about the bad ending first. So this is fighting the final boss and we already talked about how hard this fight is it would have been a challenging but ultimately fun final boss if it had one phase i think Mm -hmm. when -hmm. that second phase popped up
1: i was like oh fuck you this no no yep (laughs) i i completely agree it reminded me and it not in play, but it reminded me of, um, the worst Dr. Wily end bosses in some of the NES Mega Man games where, okay, I figured this out. I've mastered this whole yes. entire section. And then, oh shit, there's a second phase that's just going to wreck me instantly for a while. And I have to play the entire first phase over and over and over again. If I want to even begin to figure out the second phase. Yeah. hateful shit absolutely hateful shit yep it, it's brutal and it was exactly that experience
0: for me it was um the the jubilation of mastering the first phase of the boss and it, it took me you know 10 tries which i think is too many uh mm-hmm. for a game with a combat system like this but i i got to the point where i was like i know this i can do this and then i did it i felt great and then it got back up for phase two and i was like Oh no, no, this is, this sucks. And then phase two starts. It has the HP drain mechanic, which Mm -hmm. for a final boss that is as difficult and as spongy as this one is, is it's, it's bored. I don't want to say criminal. That sounds a bit harsh or a bit (laughs) overdramatic on my part, but it sucks. It's a horrible design decision. I think to make the the hardest boss in the game, steal your HP, your max Mm -hmm. HP.
1: Yeah, I I I totally agree. Um did you yeah, what so that's so that's the bad ending and that's yeah. the ending that I got. There yeah, but like what what about all of these requirements for the good ending? Yeah. But before we get to that,
0: um I'll just say for people following along with my playthrough, I tried after the second phase popped up, I probably tried 10 more times and then I turned on the invincibility. And I was mm-hmm. like this sucks. I could spend the next two or three hours, you know, just fighting this and mastering it again, but I don't want to, I want to do something else with my time. Uh, so I turned on the invincibility and, um, and did it. And then you get that bad ending and, Mm -hmm. um, you can keep playing. So in order to get the good ending, you need to follow the clues in the journal about the golden path and you Late in the game, you start to pick up journal pages that start mentioning the golden path. And the whole game, there has been this door on top of the mountain you can't open. You know that you have to open it somehow. It would not be there in a game like this if it was not meant to be opened, I don't think. Mm -hmm. At least that was the feeling I got. So um, I tried with um, my own brain and the manual pages that I had to figure out the golden path. I couldn't find it. I found out it was because I was missing a manual page Mm. uh, that was in one of those secret doors that are not secret, but just hidden by the camera perspective uh, that that, that's like the fairy fountain door had the last page to explain it.
1: Oh, brutal.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then I, so I looked in a guide. I found that page. I started to follow the instructions because what you need to do is you need to, kind of like you you need to do it's called like a seeking spell what it Mm -hmm. does is it just points you in a general direction where these fairies are and then you have to solve some kind of puzzle stand in the right place you know something to get this fairy to appear and collect it and you have to do that 20 times Mm -hmm. i did it about three times and i was like this sucks i'm not having fun doing this i'm not doing this yep (laughs) yep
1: yeah absolutely and it it this this is the most fez like i think the game gets mm-hmm. where it it gives you a couple of clues but then the actual solution is so obscure and requires so much work that it really yeah. it really yeah the the golden path is is for a certain type of person that is not me i i think yeah. i did around the same amount of fairies that you did and then i was like that this there's I am not doing this 17 more times. There's no fucking way. Especially yeah. because yeah, oftentimes the clues for the inputs that you have to make are either hidden in the manual or hidden in the environment, but you're doing D-pad combinations is what you're doing. Right. Um and that I that I don't the reward can't be that great. The, the 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 good ending cannot be worth all of that because it is I figured it out after a point where I'd figured everything else in the game out. And so it would just be cleanup. It would just be going around to these diff- this, these 20 different locations and bashing my head against the wall until I figured out the right button combination. I don't, I don't need that. That yeah. is not going to be fun. Right. And I, I
0: remember why I stopped um, now that we started talking about it is one of the fairies is in this, this little house. It's next to the windmill um, in like the main kind of central area of the game and I knew what I was doing. The the seeking spell led me into the house. I saw the code on a kind of tapestry in the house. I tried doing it. I follow, it's like you follow an arrow basically. So arrow goes down, then right, then left, then up. And that's what you do on the D-pad. And I I did it. It didn't work. I oh. tried it again. It didn't work. I looked it up. The an- I swear the answer was what I had been doing. And I got this distinct feeling of either I'm, I'm not mentally going to be able to do these by myself. I'm just going to have trouble with this and it's not going to be fun. Or, um, I was messing up my inputs somehow, or they were, you know, not registering somehow and that's not going to be fun. So fuck it. I'm going to watch it on YouTube, which is a great little cheat code to have in your back pocket. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, and I, I and that's how I recommend getting like seeing the good ending of the game. I'm I'm a person who did play the Radiance in Hollow Knight to get that right. good ending. Um, if I am sufficiently motivated, I will do the extra shit. And I there's there's no way that this ex this amount of tedium because it, it would be another four hours just doing these puzzles essentially, yeah. and they're not that clever. Or at least the ones that I encountered, right. At not only doing those puzzles, but following a little ball of
0: light as it leads you through the world to yeah. the next fairy location. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, I just instantly got the feeling it wasn't going to be fun for any number of reasons. Uh, so I hit the YouTube button uh, to mm-hmm. see the ending. Mm hmm. I think that if there were five or 10 fairies, I would have been more likely to do it. But by this point, I had already looked in a guide and it said there are 20 and you're going to have to go to literally every corner of the map to do these. And I was like, no, no, I'm good.
1: Mm Well, and then what's, what's funny about the good ending is that you don't even, you you don't even have to fight the boss. So like, you know, the, the bad ending is the ending that 99% of people are going to get. And it's the one that has the most hateful combat. And then the good ending requires five additional hours of total tedium in order to skip the combat. I agree. Yep. So.
0: In that good ending, um, you finally do open up that mountaintop door. It has the final journal page in there. Um, Like I said, I I think there are 40 pages. I found 37 of them by myself, which I think is pretty damn good for me, the way that I play games. Um, I had to find a guide for the last two that I missed. And then the last one is behind the mountaintop door. Um, It's the cover page of the manual, which I think is cute. Uh, that that's the last one. You already have all the information you need. So Mm -hmm. um, you pick up that last page. uh, You go, um, the page tells you to go visit uh, a certain someone in air quotes, which is the air. Um, You go visit them. They don't want to fight you um, because you hand them the game manual, I guess. um, And it starts crying. And is it actually your mom? In there? It sure seems like it. Or like some motherly figure.
1: Yeah. It like really a, a queen something? Uh, it really depends on so much that is still up in the air to me, whether or not it is your mom. Because I it like there's also the idea that the heir was the most recent fox to like kinda go on a on a on a destruction binge and 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 doom yeah. the world. And so you know, it, it, am I the kid in that situation or, or, or am I some kind of eternal recurrence that keeps this cycle going and eventually, and, and this is the way that they just keep the, the miasma at bay. And I'm not actually related to this fox woman. It's just, it's just the last one to, yeah. to do it. I, I, I don't know. Um, the fact that the fact that the good ending, you're, you're, you're physically showing the the spectral the air the manual as though it is almost like the 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 theme of you know like true knowledge being the thing that breaks the cycle um Mm -hmm. is very neat for a game that is about obfuscation and feeling lost and you know exploring a ruined world and being overwhelmed and it's like you are collecting basically you know the history of this world that is also mechanically getting you through the game i think that's very neat i just don't think it has the same emotional impact after having to do so much bullshit
0: (laughs) yeah this it's kind of where i landed on this too and like there's a, a a deeper read to it that i've i've seen some people take that i'll bring up here in a second but that hmm. knowledge being the key um, to break the cycle is 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 kind of cool. And like you said, throughout the game, your task—I always felt like my task was to kind of fight my way through and beat the final boss. But when it turns out the important thing that you were actually doing is collecting knowledge. Now I'm not sure how knowledge breaks the cycle here. I don't know what the magic is that is broken by me completing the manual. I guess that Mm -hmm. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't really need to. um, I don't think, but I can see the type of person who would spend all this time following the clues, doing all the fairy hunting and scouring the map basically, because to 100% this game, you have to 100% the map. You Mm -hmm. have to go everywhere, see everything. So the type of person who is then rewarded by not needing to do the final boss fight, which sucks. And they have this little victory of like, this is the reward I get. I get a happy ending and I've broken the cycle and I don't have to fight the bullshit final boss. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a really nice moment for a lot of people, not for me and not for <laughs> you and yeah. not for a lot of people, I would guess, unless you're following a guide. The other kind of read that I saw on this is that this is a, commentary on gamer behavior in the quest for destruction and violence versus the quest for knowledge and understanding uh, Mm. basically so if your goal or your drive is to kill your way through the game and kill the final boss you get the bad ending do you wish to seek knowledge and uncover deep truths is that what's really driving you you get the good ending and I've seen this posited when I was doing um, you know, YouTube research, because frankly, I didn't understand what the hell was going on in the story. Mm-hmm. I needed some YouTube explainers to help me, and this is something that was brought up. Uh, so I wanted to know what you think about this um, in this game in particular, because a lot of games do this, but this game, I'm not
1: sure. Yeah, I really hope it's not that, honestly, <laughs> uh, because- other games did that better and i don't want this to be the only theme that video games cover right Uh like uh, i okay so yeah i see i see that you mention um both undertale and spec ops the line here as games that do something similar and i think that both of those games do that theme in such a just way more impactful ways and also have other things to say about you know what what that means for a person it's not just about the violent video game it's not just about gamer behavior it's also about Mm -hmm. how we just inherently dehumanize certain you know aspects of 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 the worlds that we're navigating in 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 order to get these little treats basically and and so you know if this game is communicating that i think it's kind of bullshit um <laughs> i just i so prefer this this theme of the process of discovery and making these intuitive leaps and kind of the the um the the marriage of research and faith that gets you through the game, I, I, I think is a much more salient theme to me of, of like, you know, this game's not going to hold your hand. Life's not going to hold your hand. You, there are things that you're just going to kind of have to accept on blind faith. But if you can hold both the continued discovery of knowledge and also the, you know the the faith that you will get through it if you can hold both of those things at once it's more powerful than one or the other like i Mm -hmm. that is neat i so i'm my fingers are crossed that this is not a holding up a mirror to the gamer kind of game
0: yeah and i again i will i will say that like i'm not sure that that's what this game is going for um but the 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 YouTube story explainers that I watched made a pretty convincing case and it's it's really not that hard to take that next step from mm-hmm. if you just look at if you kill your way through the game you have to fight the final boss you get the bad ending. If mm-hmm. you follow all the leads do all the work seek all the knowledge you don't have to fight the final boss you get the happy ending. Not that hard of a, a leap to make. And I think that if that's the case here, I also think it's a miss. But mm-hmm. I, I mostly think it's a miss because if you play Undertale, if you play Spec Ops: The Line, you are going to get that from the yeah. game. Everyone yeah, everyone is going to get that from the game. This game, the one percent who do the work of finding all the fairies are going to find that that's even an option.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, if that's a point that the developer is trying to make, and again, I don't know if it is, but if it is it's it's a point that such a small fraction of the player base is going to find that i don't i'm not sure how like successful that can be as a central theme at the end mm-hmm. of the day if like again i really don't want to project my own experience but i just don't think the average player is going to find all these fucking fairies and see the yeah. end i just don't yeah. think that's going to happen
1: me so, either
0: <laughs> yeah it it's it would be an interesting way for them to make this kind of point. And you know, maybe if the developer's like, hey, I made it in a way so that not everyone's gonna get this point and only the privileged few are going to find it. Um, then that just means that I'm not gonna connect with your game in that way, in the same way that I did with Spec Ops the Line, a hundred percent, and to a lesser degree, but still Undertale for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think I'm right there with you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so tunic that is um that's it uh anything else about the experience of playing tunic uh, before we wrap up here
1: no yeah it's it's so it's so weird to talk about this game because i am much higher on it than it feels like we sounded like and we mentioned this before the spoiler (laughs) wall but now that we've talked about the whole thing i just want to say like you should play this game if any of this sounds interesting to you like yeah the Combat made me tear my hair out on a couple of on a few occasions, and some of the runbacks were not very fun, and the good ending and the final boss didn't really add up to enough. But all of that aside, this game made me like giggle and go like, Oh my god! Enough times that I just wanna say, like, yeah, if you're even a little bit interested in this conversation play it
0: yeah um i said it before the not before the spoiler break but um i respect the hell out of this game um i respect the hell out of the developer uh for yeah having this vision and executing it um to the degree that they did i you know we've complained but i still think that this is a good game um and i i just love that it it took the chance and that it executed as well as it did even if it didn't connect with me a hundred percent i still respect this game and i hope more people follow these kind of visions um for recapturing experiences like this game is so clearly trying to do it's like a you know how like shovel knight and um bloodstained and the messenger and all those games are trying to recapture a certain feel of the game mm-hmm. back in this the 8-bit or 16-bit era this game's trying to recapture the entire experience the game mm-hmm. the manual the confusion the maybe sharing knowledge on the playground, all of that. And I think that it's, it's really commendable that they even tried and to come out with again, even if I only got 70 to 80% of the intended experience, I still love what it did. Um, So we just spoiled the entire game for everybody. But if you're listening, just because you love to hear me and Ryan talk, go play (laughs) it. See if you can get it. Like um, I don't think that spoiling what we spoiled will take away from the discoveries that you can make, because we certainly didn't spoil all the
1: discoveries here. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, completely agreed.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, this uh, this was a perfect game uh, for you and I to talk about. Um, I appreciate you taking a couple hours um, out of your day to talk about Tunic with me.
1: Thank you so much for having me again. Uh, this was an absolute blast. So, yeah, super excited that we did this.
0: Yeah. 100%. Uh, one more plug for people to check out Lightning Strikes Thrice and other Pitch Drop Network shows down in the show notes. And uh, thank you for listening. Tune in next week for the next game that comes out of Ye Old Backlog. I don't know why I said Ye Old Backlog, but <laughs> that's the end. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye.